Hello, this is the Hunter Street Chronicle, and I'm Colin Chapika. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you very much, because this is my first time tuning in. I've never done one of these before, and I'm just trying to get this bad boy started. Uh, and this, this podcast probably won't be very long. I'm not sure when exactly it's going to come out, but I figured I'd treat it like the first day of school, where I kind of just give you a rundown of what to expect in the coming weeks weeks and then you can go home early and do whatever you need to do. Um, I was born in Peterborough in October of 1996 um, and I've been here pretty much ever since. Uh, I went through about a uh, teenage life crisis about a year and a half ago and I decided that this town wasn't for me so I packed my bags and I applied to the Fairmont Chateau Whistler in Vancouver, or BC, I should say, and I shoveled myself out there, and now I'm back. It didn't take me long. I was only there for about three months. Really, it's about two months, because February isn't really a full month. The idea behind this podcast is that, well, I love them. I listen to a lot of them, and it's it's really inspired me to kind of at least test the waters. Um, I consider myself a performer. I, I've been around town from the theater guild to the spill to all kinds of things doing everything from dancing to singing to whatever it is and the hope of this podcast is for me to kind of put the feelers out there and well if you've been in Peterborough as long as I have you pretty much know everybody there is so I guess I just want to talk to them and in a little bit of a more professional sense and we actually can have a record of it uh Peterborough is a really really cool place it's it's full of creative, beautiful, talented people who always seem to be able to make their mark on the map. However, since Peterborough is so full of these kinds of people, the map is pretty much already covered. There's a lot of local celebs from Peterborough, but honestly, the, the culture scene is consistent and thriving, and frankly, I, I want to just get to know it a little bit better now that I'm a little bit on the outside of it. I love this city, I love this town, um, uh, I've tried to be an active member of the arts and culture community for as long as I've been aware of it, having gone to PCBS that really did make a difference, um, I was there for a year, or two years I should say, before it was closed down, and then I went to Thomas A. Stewart, which is also a phenomenal place for getting to know super cool creative people. I also went to Crestwood for a semester to take the film course there, and I'm currently studying at Trent University. I'm taking a philosophy course, and that might bleed a little bit into here, but oh well. The hope of the show is to, uh, to at least put, put my thoughts and feelings and interpretations of other people's thoughts and feelings into the void. I mean, it seems to be this digital re revolution thing it's it's hard to 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 be successful and only doing one thing so i figured i might as well create a platform in which i can feel comfortable expressing my own creativity and and bringing other people on to kind of build this little community of voices i guess uh, before I get into the next segment, oh, listen to me, segment, um, anyway, um, I just want to throw out a, just a general disclaimer that I know I know nothing about anything, um, but I do know a lot about what people think they know about things, so 
if I ever, at some point, and it's damn bound to happen, probably within the next 10 minutes, to happen to say something that rubs you the wrong way, um, or, or comes off as disgustingly inappropriate, um, feel free to let me know if you're, if you're just, just there to give me shit, um, well, you don't have to listen to this, so that's your own fucking fault. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the next, and the, you, you'll see what I mean. Uh, I'm a words person. I really like words. Um, so we're probably going to do like a word of the week kind of thing. Um, I do have one lined up for this week, and it's a bit of a heavy term considering everything that's gone on. Um, the word's terrorist, and uh, I just did a quick Google search to see what that's all about in terms of its history, and uh, Google told me its definition is a person who uses terror in pursuit of political gains. Um, it was first used around the 18th century and during the French Revolutions, the Jacobins, I think, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, the, the Jacobins, uh, during the French Revolution, um, they were a driving force for the left wing. They pretty much ran the idea, the radical idea of removing the king and creating a republic which was run by the people versus a family that was handpicked by God way back in the day. Um... And the word terrorist was first used to describe them, it seems, by the government or the king or the monarchy who was in power. Um, it seems that the word was used um, accurately in this sense, as once the, the Jacobins got into power, they pretty much... Well, it's, it's, it's in the history textbooks. It's called The Reign of Terror, where they pretty much executed and eliminated any threat to their ideal, um, and that meant kings and queens and, and even former allies, kind of Joseph Stalin-like. They got a little paranoid and started killing everybody off, which ultimately was their downfall. The term uh, originally was used to describe those who oppose authority, um, and I guess it's, it's interesting to consider the context it was used in. It was used by the people in power to, I guess, alienate those who weren't, and it, it was used before, before the Jacobins got into power, it, it was used to describe them because they were, they were seen as radical and, and almost dogmatic and ended up, once they did gain power, violent. But it, it is interesting to begin to consider that even at the first usage, this word was used to alienate and discriminate against those who didn't agree with the current structure of power. Which, I think, is something that we could all relate to in the present day. I mean, I, as it stands, I looked it up, and there is no universally accepted definition for the word terrorist, which leaves a lot of room for ambiguity. And I'm sure if you, well, if you were born in the United States or Canada, you definitely are familiar with what I'm talking about. This term has become synonymous with war and, and the United States government and everything that has gone on in the past 15 years. The war on terror has become something that, that, that we don't even think twice about. Um, and I think that's something I, I want to stop and think twice about. The idea is, it seems to be a subjective term. It seems to be used by... The label can be thrown on someone, and then it's only gonna stick if 
the majority of people see that person negatively. So the idea is you use the word terrorist to describe an enemy, um, and therefore, if, if the majority of people agree with you that that person is an enemy, then, then they're a terrorist. However, if you're the only person calling them a terrorist, you might be the terrorist, which is interesting. It's, it's kind of a circular definition. Um, the U.S. Defense Department uh, defines a terrorist act as unlawful use of force and violence against persons or property to coerce the civilian population into the furtherance of political or social objectives. Um, and to just sum that up, I'm sure we all know, it's, it's just doing anything scary, radical, or violent to inspire fear into a population in order to kind of get what you want out there noticed and maybe accepted. Um, unfortunately, when we hear the word terrorist attack, I mean, first thing I think of, I know, is 9-11. Obviously, that was the first big one. And, uh... Well, not the first. I can't call it the first big one because I'm too young to know anything. But it, it was the first one that popped up on my radar and I think a lot of our radars as well. Um, and it, it was just shocking to know at such a young age that there were people out there who wanted to hurt other people. And I think ultimately that's, that's really what I'll get at eventually is, is that if you really do go out and hurt someone with the intention of hurting or doing anything, if you think you can get something out of hurting that person, then that's an act of terror. It's going to inspire fear into at least one person and possibly an entire community or nation. Why are we talking about this word? Well, it, frankly, I just think it, it, it shouldn't be used anymore. We really don't use it appropriately, and we use it when we want to get something out of it. It's, it's kind of like the word itself. It's, it's used to label someone as an other, as an enemy, and, and when, once that label is applied, any reference to that group, community, person, or whatever, in, invokes terror or fear into a population, and therefore it's very easy for them to agree in the majority that we need to fight that terrorist. However, I, I again, there, that's where I take issue with it, because if a government is using the word terrorist to describe someone else, in the case we've seen it to describe people in Afghanistan, Syria, in, in Iran, Iraq, all these kinds of things, all this association we've added to the word terrorism, it seems that the government has instilled an, a subconscious fear into us, into the entire American and, and Canadian population that, that as soon as the word terrorist comes up, there are all these cultural and racial and religious implications that come along with it. And frankly, I think that was just part of the plan for the government. It was, like I said, once we threw that term on on people from Al-Qaeda or the people in ISIS or, or the shooter in Orlando, as soon as we throw that term onto someone, we begin to force our minds to make that 
group, person, ideal, whatever, the other, to alienate ourselves from them. And in order to do that, we can't just be scared of them. We have to find what's different. And unfortunately, we're really damn good at that. And that results in xenophobia and people automatically assuming that if you are a part of a certain religious organization, that you have a certain set of beliefs. And frankly, it's a very just di divisive word. And honestly, if we're really going to start using it appropriately, then maybe we should start calling the right people terrorists. By, by the word's own definition and by the U.S. Department of Defense's own definition, I, I would argue that the United States government is a terrorist organization. Um, I mean, we look at... I, I hate it. I, Michael Brown, when he died, there, there was an obvious, obvious lack of sympathy, empathy, and support from the government, and there was obviously something that had gone very, very wrong in a community was shattered and terrified of the very force that was supposed to protect them. And instead of reaching out to that community, and instead of engaging them as human beings, which is all that they deserve, the the police force decided to declare a state of emergency and initiate martial law, so there was a curfew. Police could make arrests at any point they wanted. It, 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 it's terrifying. Could you imagine being in a community that has just been rocked by violence, a violence that was completely inappropriate and unjustified, and then you're told there's nothing you can do about it? You have to stay at home? You can't protest, you can't, you can't voice your concerns against, against the government for what they've done and for, for their blatant discrimination against people of color. And for me, that's, that's terrifying. And I wasn't there, and I'm a white guy, and I have nothing to complain about. It, it turns out the police force involved in the Michael, Michael Brown shooting, they, they were investigated, and it turns out they were, they were racial profiling for a very long time, which, if you know a little bit about anything about human rights, that's extremely, in the States, unconstitutional. So, the United States government, in the form of the police, were violating the United States citizens' constitutional rights in an attempt to, to pursue a social or political objective. And for them, that was to stop people from protesting and to stop people from rioting against the police force. And frankly, by their own definition, that is an act of terrorism. The other one that I, I spent a lot of time researching but was before my time was the Waco, Texas incident, which is a big gray area for a lot of people. Um, the idea, as I know it, there was, uh, I hate to say cult, but a branch, a branch of, of a community who had decided to create their own compound and wanted to be considered a separate entity from the United States. And before, before that was even seriously considered as an option, um, the federal agents armed with, with an incredible amount of weaponry held themselves up outside their compound and there's a bunch of really good documentaries on YouTube about what really went down. Uh, the government story is is that they were fired on by the Branch Davidians um, and then they moved into an assault 
but from footage I've seen and from my own conclusions that I'm willing to draw underneath my tinfoil hat, uh, they, the, the, the United States government was the first to attack. Um, now, this was a compound that, yes, they were armed in the compound, and yes, they did have a lot of dangerous equipment there for their own protection by, instilled by their constitutional rights. However, the scary part is, is that not long after the, the gunfire and the shootout started, um, the compound, which was full of men and, and women and children, um, burned down. Um, and, and uh, I think that the government blames it on the people inside that they were trying to hide evidence or that kind of thing, but there is a surprising amount of evidence that shows the fire was started by federal agents. Which, ultimately, put yourselves in their shoes, is an act of blatant terrorism. Why wasn't this, this, this branch of, of a religious community or, or a cultural or a social community not allowed to, to be considered a, a separate thing from the big power that was the United States government? Why was, why was the government so quick to move in and make sure that they were not able to gain any, any respect or reputation as a peaceful group of people who wanted nothing more to live by their own rules, which, I mean, I think that's the whole point of the United States. I don't really know American history that well, but I think the idea is it's the rule of the people or some bullshit like that. But anyway, the, the Waco, Texas incident just reminds me of of, unfortunately, here in Canada, the, the terrible atrocities that were committed against the indigenous population when European settlers first got here. Um, it's becoming very, very, very clear that uh, even now, um, white Canadian settlers have had a clear agenda of assimilating indigenous culture into European culture, which in the States resulted in genocide, and here in Canada as well as well as brutal cultural assimilation in the form of residential schools, a past system, and multiple other facets of disgusting, illegal, and unlawful behavior by the Canadian government. It's, it's unfortunate to consider the fact that maybe all of us here in Canada can't really call anyone else a terrorist considering the fact that our our ancestors, our family, who are we are directly responsible for their actions, were completely hell-bent on a reign of terror towards the indigenous people in, in an effort to promote an ethnocentric white Canada. And I think that's a very clear example of of the government turning into the biggest terror organization possible. And I think, I think we need to call them out on it. I think we need to stop using the word terrorist or terrorist act or terrorism to describe, to describe isolated incidents that, that happen, that affect all of us, that affect the entire country. Things like, things like the Orlando shooting, things like that. The, the term terrorist attack it seems to just take away from the true issue, which is there was one extremely fucking awful person who decided to do an extremely awful thing against a community of extremely wonderful people. And I think, I think it's not fair 
for him for to give him as much credit as calling it as a terrorist attack. Let's call it a shitty, hateful hate crime. And that's what that was. So when we use this word terrorist, when we use the word terrorism, I think from now on we should really only use it to describe the actions of our government that we do not agree with. And for me right now, the United States, that's, that's the role in Afghanistan in the drone strikes, which end up, I, I, the, there's a bunch of mixed numbers. Nobody really knows what the fuck is going on over there. But the idea is a lot of civilians are being killed um, in these unmanned drone strikes. And, and those are babies. Those are schools. Those are, those are just young, innocent people who have no, no part to play in this international game of fucking poker. And it's, it's, that's where we need to use the word terrorist. We need to turn it around. We need to take it back. And we need to, we need to be able to have that power to alienate the people who have done nothing but alienate us. Well, we're pretty much done, I guess, for the first one. Um, but seeing as this is the first one, and I'm not sure how many people are gonna are going to have a chance to listen to it right away, mostly probably just friends I trust very, 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 very much, um, because this could turn out to be a huge career mistake. Just kidding, I don't have a career. But, um, yeah, so this is a shout-out to anybody who ends up hearing this that knows me or, or knows of me or knows how to get in touch with me and you want to... Uh, be on this thing, or or have have your shit meant have your thing. I shouldn't have said shit, but I guess we might as well do it. Fuck it. If you want to have your shit all over my shit, let me know. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can email us here at the Hunter Street Chronicle at gmail dot com. Um, yeah, so if you have a show or a cool, cool thing that you do that, that doesn't really need to be explained visually, then, then let me know and I'm more than happy to meet you. Alright everybody, thanks for tuning in. This was the Hunter Street Chronicle with Colin Chapika. Um, again, thank you anybody, if there's anybody who listens to this, uh, even, um, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to it uh, right after I post it, or, so if this is you listening in the future, tell me all about it. Um, I'm probably going to end each show with an original song from a local band. Uh, I haven't really talked to anybody and gotten anyone's permissions for songs yet, so uh, I'll leave you with one of the ones I recorded with, with some of my friends. It's a bit of a throwback. Uh, it, was, it was a band I was in called the CNC with uh, my friend Connor Clarkin, Tanner Perret, and myself, and we had some alternating bass players. Uh, but the song's called Not Another Love Song. It was recorded at Echo Studios in Peterborough by the wonderful Riley Farmer. Um, and I'm going to leave you here with it. So, thanks again for tuning in. I'm Colin Chapika with the Hunter Street Chronicle. And now, not another love song.
Love, it didn't 